1 Peter chapter 1, verse, we're starting in verse 3. It says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Good stuff. And into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have to, had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes, even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the suffering of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you, when they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. All right, let's pray. Father God, I thank you that you are here and that you have had this great plan since the be before the beginning of time that you are inviting us to be participants in. So God, as we study your word tonight, and process this together, Lord God. Let your Holy Spirit speak to us and move in this place. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right, so in my youth, in my coming up, I have to say that I was indoctrinated into these ideas of conspiracy theories. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, you got to look out for the symbols. The Satanists are everywhere. <laughs> They're hiding in plain sight. They've tucked these images and symbols and logos and in things that are said and advertising images. And look, we went to seminars. We watched the videos. We read the books. We knew it all. We had to be aware. We had to be watchful because there was all this secret signaling to those who were in the know to say, hey, we're, we're part of the club. We know what's going on. So we, would, we were obsessed with these kinds of things in my household. The movie Conspiracy Theory, which is an old one, <laughs> was a big one in our household. Mel Gibson, Julia Roberts, we, like, we watched this movie a million times because it painted this picture, right, of just how real this thing was. And this was before the internet was even as ingrained as it is into our daily lives, right? Now with the ubiquity of the internet, these conspiracy theories are everywhere. They spread so quickly, 
so easily. I know the favorite tool here in this country is a little thing called WhatsApp. <laughs> I love that, thank you for this one thing, at least Facebook, <laughs> that the message that's been forwarded a million times now has the tag that says forwarded many times. So it's your little red flag, like, this might not be so accurate, right? Like, <laughs> beware of this one. Watch out for that. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I get it. It can be a little scary sometimes because it's hard to know what information you can trust, right? We know that the government doesn't always tell the truth. <laughs> and it's hard to know where to source your information, right? So these conspiracy theories abound. But why? Where does this information come from? Why do people get hung up on conspiracy theories? What gets us so excited? Like, hey, guess what I heard? What is that about? Well, we do, again, live in a big, bad, scary world. And some people find it a little comforting or feel like it gives them a little sense of control if they know something bigger is going on. And I know what that's all about, so it's all good. Outside of sin and death, we want an explanation, right? And so we turn, sometimes turn to these conspiracy theories to give us an answer. We feel better about things. Sometimes it's really just the thrill of being on the edge of the information. Guess what I know, right? Something that you don't know that I'm going to tell you now and you're going to think I'm awesome. <laughs> but honestly, in the face of larger conspiracies, I've stepped away from that. And I would say, ultimately, it's because I ask myself the question, what impact does this have on my salvation? What impact does this have on the kingdom of God? Really, what impact does it have on me loving God with my whole self or loving my neighbor as, my, as myself? Usually, it's irrelevant, right? So we can just let it go. But here's where it matters. You know that feeling that you get maybe in your stomach when it's like you know something is going on. Something bigger is happening here. It's that feeling I get when I read in Luke 24, this story about two guys who are walking on a road to a village. And in this story, just a few days before, Jesus has been crucified and buried, and word is the body's not in the tomb. And they're sad. And so they're just having this conversation about it, and a third guy just comes along and says, what are you guys talking about? And they're like, dude, don't you know? Don't you know what's going on? Where have you been? <laughs> Something crazy has been happening. And so they walk to this village together, and they're talking about what's been going on. And the conversation gets deep, and it gets meaningful. And then they reach the village, and the guy's going to just keep going on his way. But they say, no, 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 stay with us. Let's have some dinner together. So he's like, all right, let's keep talking. So they sit, and they have a meal together, and he break some bread, and then the moment happens. It clicks for them. It's Jesus. And then whoosh, he disappears. And they're like, I knew it, man. I knew. I knew something was going on. What their, what their actual words were, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked to us on the road and he opened the scriptures for us. They knew something was happening. 
They couldn't put their finger on it, but something was burning in their hearts. Something bigger was going on. Because it's a conspiracy. A divine conspiracy. And there are many players. So let's go back to that original scripture with this idea of a bigger picture, a conspiracy in mind. When we read 1 Peter 1, what we were reading were the opening lines of a letter written to Christians in Rome by Peter, who was one of Jesus' original 12. He's an OG, right? So Peter, who has seen this whole thing go down with his own eyes, he lived through Jesus' teaching, he watched how Jesus lived, he saw his death, his burial, and then his resurrection. And now, 30 years later, he's writing to these Gentile Christians who have also signed up. They said, yes, I believe it too. I love how he says it. Though you haven't seen him, you love him. But they're facing persecution now because they're under the rule of the Roman Empire. They are under the thumb of Domitian, who sees himself as a god, aggressively claims his own divinity. So it's not okay that these little Christians are running around saying, Jesus is Lord, because he's Lord. How dare you say that? And their very lives are under threat because of this. And Peter's trying to give them encouragement. He's telling them, hold fast, hold tightly to the hope of the truth of the gospel. It's real. Hold on. And what stands out to me in this opening part of this letter comes from verses 10 through 12. He says, concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently with the greatest care. I looked up the original language because those words kind of stood up to me. And the Greek means exactly that, intently and with greatest care. <laughs> My shoes are untied. All right. What I found is that when you, or rather, when you're handling something with intent and great care, it's because it's something you value. Like if you're moving, you might have a box that you put precious things in, right? Maybe they're fragile or maybe they're expensive or whatever. And you might write on it, handle with care, so that anybody helping you move isn't going to kick the box down the, down the stairs or whatever. Like, I just recently moved, and I had a friend helping. And I was like, all right, in this bag, because I didn't even have boxes, in this bag is, you know, recording equipment or whatever. And I was like, just, just take care of it, right? If you value it, you're going to handle it carefully. So that's what these guys in history did. When God gave them little fragments, <laughs> thank you, sir. He didn't want to see me fall. All right. <laughs> God gave them these little fragments, these little pieces. And verse 11, thank you. <laughs> verse 11 says, searching what or what manner of time the spirit of Christ which was in them did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ, the glory that should follow. So these guys in history were given whispers. They were given just little fragments, echoes, of this bigger picture that God had started from before time begins. And in verse 12 it says, it was revealed to them 
that they were not serving themselves, but you. When they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. They knew that it wasn't even for them. It just had a tiny little piece, but they handled it with great care, with diligence, with intent, because they knew how precious it was. And that word, serve, it's like a waiter serving you a meal at a restaurant. This is not for me, this is for you. So here's the thing. Sometimes the world can be big and bad and scary. There are a lot of things that happen that don't have an explanation outside of sin and death. And the result, as a result, some people choose to lean on conspiracy theories because it makes them feel better about having a reason why. And I hear conversations all the time, people talking about the ridiculousness of the way things are unfolding, people talking about why can't we just trust what we're given, you know, why don't things work the way that they're supposed to, why are people getting hurt in unreasonable situations? It's scary, and it's painful, and it's frustrating. I have a friend in Durban who's been my friend since, like, Bible college days, so it's been a long time, but I called her not long after the floods had taken place up there, and she was just really frustrated about the whole situation. She's talking to me about how everything was just going wrong, they were getting their water from a tank that at least they had, you know, set aside for situations like this, but they had no power. And I immediately launch into my talking points about infrastructure because I love systems and structure. She's just like, Rachel, nobody cares. Not to me. <laughs> no, nobody cares about these situations. Everyone's just out for themselves. So nothing ever gets accomplished because nobody's interested in fixing the problem. No one's interested in doing things outside of for themselves. And really, she just needed space to vent, right? And so I was just a sounding board for her. But the reality of it hit me after that conversation. No one person can fix this great, big, bad world. See, the thing about a conspiracy is that it is a collective. There are multiple players, and they all have a part to play. And the truth about the kingdom of God is that it's also a collective. We all play a part. We all have our own piece of the puzzle. Now, I wish I could say I love puzzles, but I can't because I hate them. <laughs> um, I'm so terrible at a puzzle. I don't have the patience, and I give up immediately. Like, even if I manage to get a good corner going, the rest of the puzzle is overwhelming, and I'm done. I lost interest, and it's over. <laughs> but at Christmas time, my family, my whole extended family, we come together in one giant house, and there's like 50 or 60 people all in this giant house. And we have games going on, and there's music and laughing and ridiculousness, because family is always ridiculous. And usually, one of my cousins will bring along a puzzle. And there will be a table found somewhere and set aside, and they'll dump the puzzle pieces out there. And over the week, some of them will come and sit down together, 
get a good Christmas playlist going because you got to have good music. And they're talking and laughing and working on their little sections of the puzzle. And by the end of the week, it's complete. And somebody takes a picture because it's not real if it didn't get posted on Instagram. <laughs> but it's a successful Christmas accomplishment, right? The puzzle is a collective of pieces. And their collaboration is a collective of effort. And I've said it before, and I'll say it again. The kingdom of God is not Jesus and me. Because if that's all we believe, then our picture is incomplete. Our gospel is incomplete. It's Jesus and we. It's a collective. Everyone has their pieces to work with. So what makes it a divine conspiracy is that it's God's plan written from before the dawn of time that we all get to be in on. And the Holy Spirit gives us the grace and the power to play our part. So, going back to 1 Peter, the ones who came before handled what they were given diligently, with great care, not to serve themselves, but to serve those of us who would come after them. I love thinking about this idea that through time, in the grand scheme of this conspiracy, God was handing out little pieces to people, giving them whispers, giving them echoes of what he was doing. Romans chapter 1 talks about the gospel he has promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures regarding his son. Hebrews 1 says, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times in various ways. 1 Corinthians 2, 7 says, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. The ones who came before us had their pieces, their echoes, their whispers, and they handled it carefully so they could serve it to you. And now, you have your piece. The piece isn't just for you by yourself. I have news for you. You're in on the conspiracy. <laughs> You're part of it now. In Peter's letter, he's encouraging those Gentile Christians to hold on to the hope that they have in Jesus. Things look grim. But they, he tells them that you have an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. He says, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you don't see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. What a privilege, hey? This thing that was established before time, handed out in little pieces, to serve us. So in the face of this great, big, bad world, where the things are going on that don't make sense, and we can't find a reason why outside of sin and death, take heart, because something bigger is going on. There's a conspiracy. And you have your peace, so you can play your part. 
And like the ones who came before you, serve someone else. Because a conspiracy is a collective. And that's it. <laughs> so let's pray. Jesus, thank you for the ways and means that you have been communicating your truth, your gospel life to us. Thank you for the privilege we have that Jesus has been revealed and we have such a great salvation. Thank you, God. And I pray that in those moments when this world seems overwhelming, when things don't make sense, that we can take heart in the fact that something bigger is going on and we can find hope and we can find joy because that's what you offer us. And Lord, I pray that you would give us eyes to see how we can take what we've been given and serve those around us just in the way that those who have come before us took such care Lord, let us take such care of the people in the world around us, to love them, to value them, to let them in on the bigger thing that's going on so that we all might find life in you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Wow, did you guys enjoy that? What a word. What a word, Rach. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I want to, just for a moment, just to close your eyes again. Can we do that? I love what, there's this one point that she said, that the kingdom is not just about you and Jesus. It's about Jesus and all of us. I don't know where you're at right now. But if you've given your life to Jesus, you're part of this. If it's somewhere in your life you've made a decision to say, Lord, I, I receive you as my Savior. You became a part of this great conspiracy. You became part of this greater picture, bigger than yourself. But he's interested in you. You've been drawn in. He knows you by name. He's put you part of this family. And that means that you count. As Rachel said, you have a part to play in this. You weren't just born. You're not just here passing by to go to eternity. You carry, you carry eternity with you. Right now, here in this place. Christ with you. That means there's a reason for your life. There's a purpose. As I said earlier, I don't know everyone's life. I don't know where you're at. I don't know what you're facing or what you're going through. But I realized this one thing is that no evening is a coincidence. No word is a coincidence. And when God speaks, we have to listen. So for the fact, yes, I pray that what Rachel shared tonight will fall into your heart. But I want also just to add a little bit and say, you have a part to play. Your life means something. 
We don't just go to heaven. We don't just wait till life ends. No, there's a purpose for this life and what He wants to do in and through us. So there where you're at, I just want to pray this over you. I'm not going to ask anybody to get up tonight or come forward or anything. If you want prayer at the end, we're going to be here. And you can come and say, please pray for us. The team will be here. We'll do that. But I promise you that the question of your, your purpose and destiny isn't something that just is answered once off. It's a continual revelation through the rest of your life. He's always revealing more of this great conspiracy to you, how you fit in and how you, he wants to reveal and use you in a beautiful and special way. But tonight, I want to just release that over all of us. Father, I pray that this word will just find entrance into every heart. This is a weighty word. This is a word with power. This is a word at the right time. Pray that everyone will experience you in that way. Thank you for that, Lord, tonight. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. May everyone know your voice and know you like never before. I pray this all tonight in the name of Jesus. And everybody say, Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Come on. Again.